Hey there, welcome to night school. It's a dark room on a Saturday afternoon. That's the sort of episode this is going to be. You know, I finished the Shadow Run book I mentioned the other day. The Shadow Run, you know, it's an adaptation from the old role-playing game, the old tabletop game, which also had video games. And, uh, you know, it's funny about it. It was called Striper Assassin, which I initially read as Stripper Assassin, because it has a woman crouched down on the cover. She's got an odd thing going on with her head, her face, not entirely human. And as it turns out, she's not. But uh, as it turns out, she doesn't look entirely human, and the book reveals that she's not entirely human. But she's crouched down with that kind of a leg outstretched, and she's not scantily clad, but it's hard not to read it as striper, or sorry, as stripper assassin. It's striper assassin, because it turns out she's an assassin called striper, because she's a weir tiger. I'm not even kidding. You know, it's one of those moments where last night, it doesn't use that term initially, but later in the book, late in the book, you know, I was reading it and it, and it says, she's a weird tiger. <laughs> and I, it's one of those moments where you immediately become self-conscious of what you're reading. Where you're like, oh boy, I'm reading a book about a weird tiger. A were tiger. One time somebody corrected me for saying weird wolf. Putting a little bit too much E. And they said it was were wolf. I don't know what's right. I don't care. We're, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if I say we're wolf... Weir wolf, were tiger, were tiger. Do you say you say were tiger? I say weir tiger. Sounds like a conversation you don't need to even be having in the first place. But uh, yeah, striper assassin. Hard not to read it as stripper, even though she's not scantily clad, even though she's not a stripper. Just giving her the name striper because she's a were tiger. But I did end up getting more into it. You know, I mentioned that I didn't even know what was going on the first half of the book, and I wasn't sure if I was even going to continue reading it. I did kind of get into it a little bit. Last night, I was just, I decided to marathon through it. I decided I had to finish it. It wasn't great. You know, it certainly wasn't great. As much as I love the Shadowrun world, it wasn't necessarily the best story that could take place. It felt you know, it felt like reading somebody's fan fiction, which I guess I guess it may, might as well be. And the author, it, it's under a pseudonym, Nix Smith, like N Y X Smith, obviously a Shadowrun esque name. Nobody's named Nix N Y X. I decided to look them up, and I wasn't sure if it was a guy or a, a girl. And uh, apparently, it's it's a guy under a pseudonym. A pseudonym. Turns out everything's a pseudonym. Every night's a school night. Every name is a pseudonym. Every name you got. Everybody's name is a pseudonym. Pseudonym. And uh, But anyway, yeah, it, it wasn't great. But I, I read, too, that this particular Shadowrun author wrote several books, and the fans find it pol- find this author polarizing. Some people aren't a big fan. A lot of people aren't a big fan of this particular author, which makes me actually want to read the other Shadowrun books I have because they're by other authors. So I'm thinking maybe those will be even a little bit better. Maybe a li- they'll read a little bit easier. Because, you know, this is a problem I have with some writing is, uh, you know, you'll be reading and like it'll be talking about a character and you don't even remember that character being introduced because they didn't do a good job establishing it. 
And some books, some authors do a great job of establishing a pretty wide cast of characters, and they're all memorable. You don't even have to go describe them at length. They don't even have to have done much, but some stories are really good at making every character memorable so that when they come up again later, it's not like, who is this? Like, there was a main character in this book, not the main character, not the striper assassin herself, not the stripper assassin, but there was, a, like, the one of the other main characters, and I was about three-fourths through the book, and it was talking about him, and I was like, I don't know who this is. I don't know what character it's even talking about, because it just did a poor job establishing the characters. But I'm glad I read it, you know, but it's making me want to play Shadowrun. It's making me want to play Shadowrun Returns, which was the modern game they made. It was like one of those Kickstarter things. I played through the first one, and then they made some, I don't even know what you call them. My my knowledge of modern video game languages, I guess they're called, I want to say like extend, no, I don't, I don't know what they're called, expansions. Expansions, that's what it is. I only know that term from Age of Empires 2, because they came out back in the day, that was, you know, such a an excellent game, Age of Empires 2, they came out with an expansion pack for it, and that's my entire point of reference for expansion packs. Like, if I was talking to some kid today who was talking about a game having an expansion pack, I'd be like, like, Age of Empires 2? And they they wouldn't know what I'm talking about, but it'd be okay. But, now, reading the Shadowrun book, uh, Shadowrun, pseudonym Shadowrun, my, my pseudonym is Shadowrun. I wrote a Shadowrun book under the name Shadowrun. Shadowrun Stonefelt. Um, but, you know, reading the book, it makes me want to play the game. Because uh, Shadowrun Returns was a really great game. And I only knew about it despite being, you know, I mean, the Super Nintendo Shadowrun game is one of my all-time favorite games. One of my favorite games growing up by far. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine, an old friend of mine messaged me, I guess this was like 2012, 2013, and was just like, you know, there's a new Shadowrun game, and it's cool. And it was on Steam, which I had heard of in passing. But, I, you know, I haven't played many video games as an adult, and I would never have considered myself a gamer growing up. But you just, I mean, that's the, the difference between, I mean, as all these identities get invented, as we've become, you know, a very identity-conscious culture, and new subcultures and categories. It's like gaming, being a video game player, wasn't a subculture when I was growing up. It was just you played video games or you didn't. You liked certain types of games or you didn't. And it makes sense that as they've become, as there have become more games, as they've become more advanced, as generations of people have played them, it makes sense that there would be more of an identity based around it. But it's still, it's, it's, I only point that out because it's something that, you know, like just because I played some video games growing up, I don't identify with the idea of gaming or being a gamer. It was just something you did. But my friend was like, yeah, there's this game, you have to get this program called Steam to play it. And I, I'd, I'd heard of it in passing, but my knowledge of like modern gaming was just almost zero. And so I got that and uh, played through Shadowrun Returns, which was great. It was simple, but great. And I mean, I want that from a game. I don't want games... I mean, because the average modern game is already going to be much more complex than anything you ever played growing up. Just by its nature, 
it's going to probably have more complexity in terms of just what you do, what you see. It's going to be complex in just about every possible way, unless it's deliberately simple. But in this case, you know, it's, it was pretty much straightforward. You just kind of go through the motions, and it was fun. And I never really, I didn't really have time to explore the expansion packs, which were much more advanced, and you could do a lot more, less linear. Because Shadowrun Returns, very linear. But you want that sometimes. Sometimes you want to just go through a story while having a little, um, a small amount of choice. You know, sometimes you just want a small amount of choice, just enough to feel like you're not reading something. Like I'm not just reading or watching a TV show. I am interacting in some way. But that said, the straightforward the straightforwardness of some things is an asset, especially when it comes to games. I don't know. Uh, you know, I haven't really gotten into game critique, but this episode might get into that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, reading that Shadowrun book, it made me, I'm like, you know what? I kind of feel like playing Shadowrun now. And uh, I might, I might decide to, but it made me look at Steam. And the whole reason I got Steam, you know, almost 10 years ago, nine years ago, whatever, whenever that Shadowrun game came out was to play Shadowrun. And, and then since then I've played some RPGs. I never beat Final Fantasy IX. Last summer, I was playing Final Fantasy IX for the first time since it came out, and I made it to the very last dungeon. So we're gonna have two back-to-back video game episodes here. Have all that tech? We're just talking about technology, video games. Who knew? Who knew that that's what this show was about? Well, if you've been listening for years, you know, you know this happens. You know that my mind gets plagued by this stuff now and again, and I have to talk about it. But, uh, you know, I made it all the way to the final dungeon, like the entrance to the final dungeon, and I never played again. I didn't beat the game. And that happens a lot, actually, especially as an adult, I find. Not so much as a kid, but definitely as an adult, I find that when I do play an RPG, which are the only games I play, that I'll get to the last dungeon and I just never complete it. I never resolve it. Because to me, it's like those games very much are about the adventure. I almost always find the ending underwhelming. I mean, while I like the... like my When it comes to my favorite classic RPGs, while I enjoy the endings, I appreciate the endings, they're almost always underwhelming because those are games that are very much about the story and the exploration. So you're basically just getting this punctuation point at the end of the game. And sometimes it's a period, sometimes it's it's a um, an actual exclamation point, sometimes it's a question mark, sometimes it's all of them. But it, does, it doesn't really, it's never really that satisfying to me to beat an RPG. Like it feels good to com- to conclude the uh, the story. I mean, I, I have a similar feeling like reading books sometimes, where I'll start to get to the end, and while I make it a point to finish books in most cases. You know, you start to get to the end, and you're sort of dreading finishing it. You're just kind of like, eh. and and it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a thing of like, I want this to go on forever. But you're just kind of dreading like how they conclude it. Because that's the thing about writing is, I mean, for example, this Shadowrun book I just read, where it's like, the ending sucked. I mean, I wouldn't say the book sucked. I, I genuinely enjoyed reading it. Like, I marathoned through it. I spent, like, two or three hours straight reading it before bed last night just because I, I knew I had to finish it ASAP 
if I was going to finish it. I couldn't let it drag on any further. But as the end was just sort of like, you could tell the author was just like, well, I have to come up with some kind of ending. And that's how a lot of things feel. <laughs> you know, it's, that's how a lot of outros feel. I mean, I feel that on this show sometimes. Like, sometimes I feel like talking on this show, I'll, like, get into a really good rant, and I can just end it on this with this firm statement. But other, time, other times you're just kind of like, well, I got to kind of end this. I'm just going to kind of ramble on until I feel, like, uh, comfortable just hitting, you know, stop. You know, I'm putting myself through that right now, just talking about it. How am I going to end this episode? Is it going to be like Final Fantasy IX where I play through to the very end and I just leave it? And then the computer that I have that game on is dying. The keyboard doesn't work. So it's like, who knows if I'll even be able to do that if I want. And who's, who stops playing a game right up to the final dungeon and then resumes it like eight months later? Somebody. Somebody does that. But anyway, it's, it's led to me just to, like, I, I'm kind of in video game mode now. Because I find, like, because I've mentioned before with, like, websites like Steam. I consider going to a site like that and just looking at video games to be a video game. Like, if somebody were to ask me, and this is actually a really normal question. Like, I get this question when society is functioning and, peop- and you're meeting new people and going out in the world... It's like a completely normal question for somebody to ask you, like, do you play video games? Because it's just that common now. I mean, with all generations, all ages of people, you know, it's no different from asking you, like, what your favorite movies are. Chances are that if you're talking to a male human being, they play video games. And so I, I play it and I play them significantly less than the average male. But people will ask me that. And I think my answer is, oh, I play this game called Steam where you go to this website and you look at pictures of video games and you think about playing them and you don't. And then once in a while you do, but you never beat the game. I played that video game. That's a good conversation. People love that conversation. But I'm finding myself in that mode where I'm, I'm looking at Steam and I'm like, maybe it's time. You know, I don't have any books that are jumping out at me because basically like in my non-creative, non, you know, when I don't have obligations or responsibilities, like my time is either spent on something creative or reading, basically. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, you know, I, I, I don't even own a TV or whatever the joke is. But the reality is I don't watch any TV unless it's football season. And then I watch, you know, football three days a week. But uh, I don't watch any movies. I don't watch TV or movies. I'm just not a watcher. You know, I've realized over the years, I'm just, I just don't get much out of watching things. Maybe it's kind of like the, what I was talking about with Shadowrun Returns, where it's pretty linear, but I like that there's some element of interaction. Because when I do watch a movie or TV, I find that I have to multitask, I have to draw, I have to be kind of like looking at things on my computer. I can't enjoy just sitting there. doesn't matter how stoned I get, you know, if I'm smoking pot during that time. I just don't really get much out of it. You know, I did watch Game of Thrones, you know, except for The Sopranos. That's like the only series I've made it through. The only, the only series I really tried to watch was that. And I enjoyed it. I like Game of Thrones the same way everybody else did, like up to the same point. You know, I know that I'm not diagnosably oppositionally defiant. I know that I don't have to rebel just for the sake of rebelling when it comes to everything. 
Because if I wanted to do that, if I really felt the urge to be a true rebel, I would be like, I only liked the last two seasons of Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones? Yeah, I only liked the last two seasons. That's how I know I'm not diagnosably oppositionally defiant. Because I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad about it that, like, I only like the last season of Game of Thrones. But I did watch that. You know, my opinion is the same as everybody else's. But in general, you know, most things just don't catch me. And I I don't know. I just don't invest the time into shows. I, I prefer to be reading. So because I don't have any books lined up, I do. But I don't, none of them are, like, jumping out at me at the moment. And I've just, I've been continuously reading. I've had something going at pretty much every second. I'm like, you know what, maybe it's time to, to spend that time on video games. Maybe it's time to play a little Shadowrun Returns. Maybe it's time to find a new game. Which, you know, leads me back to the Steam site where you can look at these games. And it's amazing, like, how many games there are. Like, how many... There's so many people who... like, Because I'll look at RPGs, and there's so many, like, hentai simulator. You know, there's so many anime games. That's what blows my mind. It's like there's, it must be really easy to make those because they're like free or incredibly cheap. And uh, they're just these games that have, they're like text-based games with anime girls with like huge boobs, like, like gigantically huge. You know, like, like when you see, uh, I don't know, there's like, there's like fetishes for women that have just extraordinarily big boobs. Like, I'm not talking about a blonde with DDs, double D DDs. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, when they're just monstrously huge. As if somebody, like, almost, uh, like, you're, you're concerned there's a health problem or something. I don't even know what's going on. It's like that, but with skinny anime girls. And I'm not an anime person, you know, I... I like the idea of it. I like the idea, like, like, I grew up, I saw Ninja Scroll at some point. I thought that was cool. But I never got into anime, uh, so the idea of playing, like, that's the thing about being into RPGs, is, like, when a game has too much of an anime aesthetic, I don't get into it. But I understand, and, I, and more and more, like, over the years, because, I mean, growing up, the RPGs that were coming out of Japan didn't have an anime aesthetic. Sometimes they had it sort of a Japanese aesthetic, but they did not look like anime. The characters did not look like anime characters, and then I guess with just the, the the overall popularity of anime, like when, when American children's cartoons in the 2000s started to look like anime and mimic anime, and when anime itself became completely mainstream in America, you saw where Japanese role-playing games and just role-playing games in general just made their characters look straight-up anime. And they also that's also around the time that RPGs develop the technology to have voice acting, which that is actually the moment that RPGs jump the shark. That is the exact moment when RPGs jump the shark for me, because voice acting that you can't turn off, like there's no voice acting that is good to me. I don't like any of their choices, whether they're doing the the goofy anime voices, which is unbearable, or whether they're trying to make the characters sound like just cool American dudes. Or just, or just like tough guys, or whatever it's trying to do, no matter what it is, it removes me from the game. It's exactly what I don't want from a role-playing game, which is my own pacing. I want to hear the voices in my own head, and I, I don't even hear voices. Like, when I read the text in an RPG, I don't even imagine a voice. 
I'm just immersed in the story and I'm taking the story in. So it was incredibly disturbing. I mean, it ruined my life. It ruined my life when RPGs develop voice acting, especially when you can't turn it off. And and granted, like, I think the last system I owned was a PlayStation 2. I never got anything past that. And I only bought that for uh, Suicode and 3. I only had like three games. I only ha- ever had three PlayStation 2 games. So it wasn't like I, by then, it was, by the time that came out, you know, I was getting out of games and stuff in general. I had other interests that needed my time and money. But just, that was a moment, like, I, like I think it was like Sweet Coden 4, which nobody likes. It's the least popular Sweet Coden game. But that had voice acting, and I was just like, I hate this. This takes an already rough game, a game that's already not that much fun, and just stabs you in the chest with it. And I remember I talked to somebody at some point who was like defending voice acting in RPGs. And it's just, it, it was almost like when that person I know was defending Zoom, Zoom. It's like the same kind of thing where it's like, you know, just let me have my opinion. Let me make a joke about how the pop, the sudden explosion of everybody being on Zoom feels a little conspiratorial and creepy. Not that I actually worry about it. But just let me make that joke. Let me have an opinion about voice acting in RPGs without needing to defend it. But the problem is, this this was coming from a person who plays those games. This was coming from a person who has invested their time and interest in role-playing games with voice acting. And even though they might not even like it that much themselves, the fact that they play games like that got them defensive. Their ego was invested in voice acting in role-playing games. Because me saying I didn't like that made them self-conscious, you know, just to get all Psych 101 about it. But it's true. I could tell this person wasn't even... It's not like this person loved voice acting, but it was just the fact that I said I didn't like voice acting and made them defensive of the fact that they play RPGs with voice acting. People get invested in anything, man, and they'll argue with you about anything. I'll even have an opinion on... I mean, even me having an opinion on voice acting is kind of that. Except not, because it's just... It was a change in the games. It was a change in that style of games that made them substantially worse, that completely removed the atmosphere. Because when you hear some stupid freaking voice actor in an RPG, it completely removes you from the atmosphere. Because, I mean, those games, even when they were primitive, even when they were just like early, early, you know, awkward, blocky pixel characters... It was like there was still an atmosphere. There was still a feeling of being immersed in an environment. And your imagination is what kind of... They gave you just... Talking about the very early RPGs, it's like they gave you just enough to give you some kind of idea of what you were dealing with, and then your imagination did the rest of the work. Not unlike what a book does, where it's like a book just gives you basic descriptions. and Or it should... You know, I don't like books that get too far into descriptions. Like, I don't, I don't need three pages about how the grass on an island looks. C.S. Lewis did a little bit of that in one of the Space Trilogy books, but he got away with it because you'll be reading, like, three paragraphs describing the grass on this foreign planet, and then he'll say something in one of those paragraphs that just makes you realize how incredible C.S. Lewis is. 
with language and just, you know, he'll just say something so perfect in one of those sentences that you go, oh, okay, it's worth it. There's a jewel hidden in this long description. But I mean, it's one of the reasons why I had to stop reading the Wheel of Time series. I bought all the books, you know, it was fun to look for those. And I read through four of them. I wouldn't be able to tell you what the last two books, I think I might have read five. I wouldn't be able to tell you what the last two or three, I wouldn't even be able to tell you how many of them I read. I can't even tell you how many of them I read. I know I made it through four or five, but it reaches a point where you could tell, oh, he just wants his books to be long. He just wants his books to be long. Like, he's giving you this ultra-long description of what a character is thinking when all he has to say is what that character is thinking. Like, I was reading a paragraph about how some, like, witch or sorceress, like, it was going into this deep description of her thought and I was like, all you had to do was say that she thought that thing. Like, you didn't have to go into this multi-paragraph description of why she's thinking it, how she's thinking it. And I mean, I, maybe this show is that. Maybe I'm just like that on this show. Oh, we don't need to know why or how or what you're thinking, but just say what you're saying. You know, maybe I should take my own advice here. But I had to stop reading Wheel of Time. Like, And, and it was an exact moment when I realized I had to stop reading it. Because I was like, first of all, I no longer care. Like, speaking of introducing a bunch of characters and, and not caring or knowing who they are, like, while it's cool that he wanted to introduce tons of characters, you reach a point where you're just not invested in any of them. And uh, here, I'm just ranting. Fantasy books, role-playing games. But it, it was a moment where he was going in-depth about this sorceress's thought. And it, it was just way too way too descriptive of like why she was thinking it and how but enough about that i might play video games soon i might kill you know some of that downtime that way it's a nice way to it's a nice way to spend time although i am an all or nothing person where if i like a game and i'm playing it i'll tell myself oh an hour here and there and then next thing i know i'm staying up till like 5 a.m. playing it it's been you know i binge on it you do binge watching, I do a little binge playing. But that's the only way to do it for me, because it is all about immersion. Like, I can't imagine playing an RPG for like a half hour a day. You, I think you kind of have to go all in for a short period of time. You have to lose sleep. You have to sacrifice other aspects of your life while you're playing that game. I don't know, I might play Shadowrun, I might play one of the expansion packs that I never really explored. I never really played those expansion packs as much as I wanted. And while I'm on a Shadowrun kick, a Shaddy Run kick, Shaddy Run, <laughs> I might very well play that. But, uh, you know, looking through Steam, it's interesting too, like, as someone who, like I said, I never, I played games growing up, and obviously I've thought a lot about them, because it's amazing. Video games are amazing, it's, it's an amazing phenomenon. But it was just, it never felt like a subculture. It wasn't. It wasn't a subculture. It was just something you do. It was something you do to that's interesting and entertaining. And, uh, you know, but growing up with that, it's interesting how certain things have changed. For example, if you get on Steam, and like, especially if you look at RPGs, there's a category on there that you can sort by, and it's female protagonist. And that kind of blew my mind when I first saw it, because I was like, oh... This is obviously a, a socio-political development. Like, this is obviously a response to people saying there's not enough female representation in video games. 
which is surprising to me because it didn't feel that way. I don't believe that's true. I don't feel that video game audiences have ever been, you know, while there's all this like Gamergate stuff that I don't even know, I don't even know what that is, but there's all this stuff. Like, I'm not saying there isn't like misogyny. I'm not saying that, that, I mean, obviously that's, that, that exists, especially among nerdy people and whoever else. I mean, it just exists, but I guess when I saw that female protagonist thing, I just thought about like growing up, like I was into macho stuff, you know, growing up, I was into action movies and football and guns and swords and all my interests as a kid were, were fairly masculine, like comic book heroes, you know, everything I was into was masculine one way or another. Like while I was, I drew things while I was always creative and artistic, you know, all of my interests were, were very masculine and macho even. And but yet I loved Final Fantasy three, aka six, where it's like it's not just one female protagonist, it's two. Like the game is split in half, where the first half of the game you control one female protagonist, the second half of the game you control another. And I never thought twice about it. I never thought like when I played that game growing up, I never once thought and I played that game many times. I played that game over and over again. I was completely obsessed with Final Fantasy three, aka six. And I, but I never once thought when I played it, oh, I don't want to control female characters. Oh, it sucks that this game makes you have not just one female protagonist, but two. Oh my god, I think I'm going to be, I might turn into a gayman. People might think I'm a gayman because I like this Final Fantasy game. And uh, I'm a gayman and a gamer. What's a gayman? I might, people might think I'm a gayman if I play this game. No, but I never thought twice about it. I was just like, this is an interesting game with compelling characters, and I never even thought twice about the fact that I'm playing a game with female protagonists. And you know what? I knew a bunch of people who played that game. Final Fantasy III was popular with other people I knew who played video games, and I don't remember a single conversation about how it was uncool to control these two female characters throughout the game, how they were not just, you know, obviously you you have a whole assortment of characters in RPGs, but the lead characters, the two lead characters that you control, that head your group in the two halves of the game are both women. And it just, it never came up once in conversation with different types of people. Nobody I ever talked to, no kids ever said anything about it. And there was even a time where, you know, I've talked about that redneck family I was close to. They self-identified as rednecks. And while there was not a gamer, while people did not self-identify as gamers back then, they did self-identify as rednecks. And this family, they they weren't posers either. They self-identified as rednecks and they weren't posing. They were real rednecks. And they were not into RPGs, let me tell you. This redneck family, like I was in and out of their house all the time. I spent countless time with this family uh, they were like a second family to me for a while they did not you know they liked playing duck hunt you know they liked playing football video games they did not even know they wouldn't even have known what the term rpg meant or what it was they probably never heard it but one time they were over at my house and, and they, they came over to pick me up and i was playing final fantasy 3 
And the dad and the son were in my room with me watching it. And the dad was, you know, you know, the entire family were rednecks. And the dad was especially like he taught me how to hunt. You know, he helped. He was an assistant football coach, you know, one year, things like that. So this is a pretty macho guy who's, you know, part of the elements. You know, this is a guy who goes outside camping, hunting, fishing. This is a pagan. You know, this is a real pagan. He doesn't know anything about female protagonists and RPGs, but he's watching me play this game. And there's a part where the main female protagonist like morphs into this like glowing pink version of herself and she screams. And you can imagine how, you know, a Super Nintendo scream sounds like it sounds like a Casio keyboard effect, just a high pitched, like just some strange high pitched sound. And the female character, like she screams and then she flies off and it looks really silly. Like even as a person who was invested in the game, it's it's a pretty silly moment in the game. And I remember the dad, you know, this pagan redneck father, my friend's father, he like looked at the screen and he just like chuckled. And then, you know, I saved my game and we left. They didn't say, are you a, are you a little gayman? You're playing a video game with with a character with that. You're playing a, get, a video game where that's who you are. You're a woman who turns pink and flies off into the air with a, a high pitched scream. They didn't do that. These were tough people too. You know they weren't. They were. They will make fun of you. They were one of those families where it's just everybody's making fun of each other, sometimes in a mean way. But they didn't say anything to me. And so it just kind of, I don't know, I'm just, I'm bringing this up because I just didn't think anything about it. Like, look at like Metroid, a game I never even played. Like they revealed that the, the, the Metroid was a female too. You know, Laura Croft, that was an incredibly popular game. Tomb Raider was incredibly popular. And you can say with like, oh, Tomb Raider, she, she had a big pair of double DDs. That's why the boys like her. The boys like playing Tomb Raider because she's got a big pair of double D DDs and those nice little short shorts. I don't think that's why people played Tomb Raider. While people might have enjoyed that, I don't think that's why people played it. Because you're controlling her anyway. Like, if if it was all about, like, sexualizing Laura Croft, she would just be, you know, some random character you run into or something. Like, you wouldn't be her. Because, like, boys don't sit around thinking, like, oh... You know what I'm attracted to? I'm attracted to a girl who wears, you know, nice little short shorts a tank, and a tank top that barely contains her double D DDs. Boys, and then, and then, like, boys don't go from liking that, which they do, to then being like, but you know what? I want to be her. I want to control her, like, not control her in that way. I want, I want to, like, pretend I'm her while I'm playing this video game. Because that's what you're doing. Like, when, when you're playing Tomb Raider, you're not like th- sitting there thinking, oh man, those shorts and those double DDDs. You're thinking like, I need to jump over to this thing. I need to solve this puzzle. I need to shoot this bad guy. Like you're completely thinking, I mean, you're seeing the world of Tomb Raider, <laughs> the world of Tomb Raider from her POV. I, I barely, I play, I rented that game once. So I, it's, it wasn't even my kind of game, but I was too busy playing RPGs, RPGs. But uh, when you're playing a game like Tomb Raider, you're not sitting there thinking, you're not just sitting there staring at her boobs, which you can't even see most of the game from the point of view you're, you're looking at her, and you're not just staring at her arse, 
You're not just staring at her legs the entire game. Like, maybe a horny teenage boy will stop the game once in a while to indulge himself, but he's not, like, while he's playing the game, he's not thinking that much about how hot Laura Croft is. You know, he's thinking about, from her POV, of, like, how to, how to play the game, how to do this. And so it's funny to me that, like, someone would think that the only appeal of a game like that, oh, the only reason a female protagonist was popular in Tomb Raider was because they think she's hot. It's like, no, they, they, while they might think she's hot, that's not what they're thinking while they're playing the game. And, uh, and like Metroid, another game, I don't, I don't think I ever played Metroid once, but it's obviously very, very well known. So I know what it is, but at some point, I don't know how early on in the series, but at some point they revealed that the main character is a woman but again, you can't say, and nobody protested it. Like, I don't remember any outrage. Like, I knew a lot of people who played video games growing up. And I don't remember any outrage. I don't remember anybody. I remember, whoa, she's a woman. But I don't remember, that sucks, dude. Dude, dude, did you hear the news? What? Metroid's a woman. Gotta stop playing it or it's gonna turn you into a gay man. I don't remember any kids, no matter who they were, worried about that. It was just, whoa, Metroid, and I, don't, I know the character's not named Metroid, but that's, it's like calling Link Zelda or something, but, you know, who cares? Um, Metroid takes off the helmet, and it's a woman. He was just like, whoa, but that doesn't change anything. It's not like you're sexualizing, it's not like you suddenly start sexualizing the character. Oh, that armor, you know, you know since I found out that Metroid's a woman, I, I've started sexualizing the armor. The armor is now attractive to me. I'm only attracted to women who cosplay, who do Metroid cosplay. As an adult, a woman's got to be wearing some weird, colorful, futuristic armor that reveals nothing about her body. No, but nobody, I, I don't know. It's, I just don't remember anybody caring. And I, remember, I know that people like those characters, too, you know, so it's funny to me. I guess it's just funny to me that, like, if you get on a, this video game site, Steam, there's a category that's just female protagonist, as if that's a need that hasn't been met. As if that's something that all video game players have some major issue with, when I, I just don't know when that was in, invented. If that was an issue, it was invented later, because nobody I knew who played video games, no video game magazine which granted had, you know, all-male staff, but I don't remember any video game magazine saying in reviews, oh, this game's great, but it sucks because it has a female protagonist. And while maybe you could say most games didn't, and the, and the ones that did, maybe there was a sexual element to it, like Tomb Raider, it wasn't like it didn't exist at all, and it wasn't like popular games didn't have lead women, sometimes even the sole woman. And as far as the whole sexualization thing goes, it's not like men, and I'm getting into this whole, like, this comes across, like, I, yeah, I'm sure this comes across to somebody a certain way, but it just, it does get me thinking, and sometimes I think these things need to be discussed or talked about, uh, but, uh, you know, it's like men in video games, it's not like they're these ugly brutes, like, it's not like when you play a video game where there's a male hero, you're playing as some, like, fat, bald you know, troll. 
It's not like that was the case. It's like usually the male protagonists in games could be easily construed as sexually attractive, whatever. I mean, again, though, I mean, it's it's just like nobody's thinking about that. Like, even if you're a, a young straight male who's playing as a, as a muscle-bound hero, it's not like you're sitting there thinking, like, when you're playing the game, it's not like you're sitting there thinking about his muscles. And a girl who's attracted to that, who's playing, it's not like she's sitting there thinking of that either. In the same way, you're not thinking about Laura Croft's double DDDs. It's just not something you're thinking about when you're playing. Like, you're aware of it. Oh, this guy who has the sword is muscular. He's conventionally handsome, because that's something that we expect of heroic characters. But it's not something you're preoccupied with. It's not the point. So, I don't know. When I see things like female protagonist, it's like, when was that ever an issue? Like, I don't mind that you have a category. I'm sure you have categories for all kinds of things. But when was that an issue? I, I guess I wonder. When were when was having a lead female character or a female protagonist an issue? And then I sound like I have a problem with it right now because I'm like ranting about how there's this ca- <laughs> because I'm ranting about how there's a category on Steam that you can search by. There's a tag, as they call it, which lends itself to what I was talking about recently, where this like baby language of the future. You know, where it's like you expected the future to be like Shadowrun, where everything's like, the language sounds like scientific jargon. Where like you, like, like sci-fi movies gave you the impression, people are always like, oh, you know, sci-fi predicts the future. And it's like sci-fi movies had just random civilians walking around using these really elaborate techno-scientific phrases and all this jargon and like if a character like like it's, I'm thinking about like Demolition Man or something. I don't know if this is this actually happens, but just that sort of scenario where it's like somebody goes to the future. Somebody from modern day is either frozen cryogenically and they're thawed in the future or they go in a time machine and go to the future. Like one of the tropes of sci-fi movies where a character from the past goes to the future is he doesn't know what people are saying. There's just this techno jargon. And you see that in Shadowrun, like reading the Shadowrun book recently, that's one of the, I mean, you see that in Cyberpunk, where it's like everybody's fluent in the language of technology, corporations are austere and imposing, because they just seem like sterile robotic machines with names that you don't understand, that maybe you can't even pronounce, like the name of a corporation is something that's just completely alienating to your humanity, and that's what makes them good in the story that's what or not good but like that's what makes it effective like that's what makes those imposing austere corporations imposing is the fact that they are presented with an aesthetic and a name you know that is not simple and not people friendly and so sci-fi did not predict that Maybe it did. Maybe maybe something like a parody movie. Like I'm trying to think of the one. Uh, there was that movie that like parodied the future and how the future was going to get dumber. I can't even remember what it's called. It's just like everybody's going to be watching. Uh, what's that movie called? I don't, I don't even. I saw. I, I didn't even see the whole thing. I only saw part of it. But there's a part where there's like people. Everybody just drinks like this 
stupid soda, and they watch a show that just says, it's just people going, ass, ass. I can't remember what that's called. But that one might have, you know, I don't know. I don't think people are stupid today. But you can see where there's this, like, babyfication of language. And I, I talked about this recently. I don't need to go on about it again. But just tag makes me think of that. App tag. Where even even words that... Because it's one thing to come up with a new word for something, like, like selfie. It's like there wasn't really a word for that. You had to describe a selfie in fairly elaborate terms to let people know what you're talking about. Oh, you know when you point your phone toward yourself and take a photo of your own face from the head and shoulders up? Like, it makes sense that somebody invented a word for that. And they said, oh, yeah, it's called a selfie. That way we don't have to waste time describing what type of photo it is. And even though the word selfie is really stupid and it took me years to use it, I don't have a choice because that's the word for it. Uh, but, you know, and that and the word selfie is sort of what I'm talking about, too, where like words, the words of the future are baby are stupid baby words. But it's not just words like that that were invented to, to fulfill like some kind of uh, to fill some kind of new need. Like there wasn't a word for that that we know of. So we're going to call it selfie and the word might suck. The word might suck, but it's the word for it. But things like tag, like a tag, you could say that's a new thing, but it's basically a category. But we don't want to say category. Category is too long of a word. And because it's slightly different than a category, it's just slightly different because you can click on it or whatever it is. We're going to call it a tag. And it's like apps. Apps were called programs. They were called applications. But we got to simplify everything. We got to have baby language. We need our language. We need the language of technology to be so simple that a baby can say it. You know, that's what we're looking for here. And uh, tag, anyway, is what made me go on that one. But you know, just the idea. That it's like it's like. Am I really mad that the video game distributor, whatever you want to call it, the video game? program, app, website, uses the category, the tag, female protagonist? No, of course I'm not mad about it. If that's what somebody really is looking for, if somebody feels listened to because that exists, go for it. I'm not out. I'm not fighting a war against that. My whole point is that there didn't seem to be any issue with that. Like, it felt like there was, especially given that video games were overwhelmingly male when I was growing up, there were games with female protagonists, and even the most macho dudes didn't seem to have a problem with it. Because it was understood that this makes sense in the context of this story. This is a compelling character. This is interesting. Metroid taking the helmet off. Oh, this is an interesting turn of events. It doesn't really matter at all, but whoa, this is an interesting turn of events. And so I, I guess just my entire point is it seems like it's making a statement about something that never seemed to be an issue. Unless there was some change, unless over the last like 15 years suddenly people were like, you know what, there should, no, there should be no female protagonists. I don't know. And it just seems like Video games have just as much female representation in lead characters as anything. 
Like when I'm looking through, when I'm playing the Steam game, like when I'm playing the video game known as Steam, where I go to this website and I look at video games, this meta video game that involves me simply looking at games, I feel like most of the games I see have women. Like whether it's, you know, some sort of uh, butch woman with a big gun or whether it's these, you know, slender, weird, weirdly proportioned anime women, whether it's just, you know, a fairly normal woman, I I feel like I see a lot of female representation in games. And so I guess it's weird to me just that, you know, you got it, it just goes back to like having to make a statement about everything. Everything's a statement. Everything is communicating to you that we're doing the right thing. But when someone communicates that, they imply that something was horribly wrong before or that there was some sort of need that needed to be met. And in video games, I just don't think that was true (laughs) because I have opinions on games. But anyway, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm sure I just I make all the usual talking points here. And, and the funny thing is, though, there's somebody, there's probably quite a few people who, who see that same thing, who see, oh, there's a, there's a tag called female protagonist. Yes. Yes. There's people who see that and they probably are like, oh, good for them. Oh, that's awesome. And you know what? I would never take that away from them. It's not like I'm saying this, this website that I barely ever go to that sells you video games that I never play except for when I play the, the game of Steam by looking at them. you know. But th- this website that has really no relevance to my life, except I'm talking about it for an hour on my podcast. But anyway, just to make my freaking point here, uh, you know, this site that really has no bearing on my life at all, it's not like I'm, I'm sitting here saying, like, they should remove that tag. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see them remove the female protagonist tag. And I would never want to take it away from somebody who feels somehow some satisfaction in seeing that I'm not out to tell them what to do. I'm not out to tell them that shouldn't exist, that they shouldn't feel something. They shouldn't have an opinion, but I don't know. I guess I just, when I, when I feel, when I look at like the history of like playing video games growing up, I just see that. And I'm just like, was this something that was lacking? And maybe somebody would say, yes, here are the statistics. Here are the stats. I guess my point is that I, I didn't I never felt like just the video games themselves were not inclusive of women. Like maybe female protagonists were in the minority in the past, but it's it, I don't remember anybody taking issue with the ones that existed, including in wildly popular games, because I'm not just talking about some obscure games that came and went. You know, when I'm talking about Final Fantasy III, I'm talking about, at that point, the most popular role-playing game to ever exist. Like, people always think about Final Fantasy VII kind of blowing the lid off RPGs, where, like, RPGs became... RPGs hit, like, a much more mainstream crowd, a much more regular crowd when Final Fantasy VII came out. But Final Fantasy III was big. As far as RPGs go, that was the most popular, by far, RPG up to that point. Maybe Chrono Trigger or something. I feel like Chrono Trigger is one that became more popular later. I feel like that kind of developed more of a cult following and then became wildly popular. Because 
among the people I knew, among the places I paid attention to, people were talking about Final Fantasy III for years. Metroid, obviously one of the biggest games ever in its day. Tomb Raider, multiple games, huge games. There's probably others I'm forgetting, but it just it just doesn't seem like even if those were even if those were like the few games that had female protagonists, it just doesn't seem that they were I mean, they were wildly popular. They were some of the most popular video games of their day. So it's just, it's still kind of funny to me that just our modern discourse has led to me talking about this. It's led to these tags on websites. It just seems unnecessary is all. But I'm also not out to control it. I'm just giving my take because it made me think. And, uh, I mean, I was talking about this actually, I was talking about this exact same subject with Alien and Aliens, where when I was a little kid, my friends and I were obsessed with Aliens. We had never seen the first one. My next door neighbor owned it. My next door neighbor was a kid a year younger than me, and his family owned Aliens. And we were like four or five years old. We were kids. And we would watch that over and over again. We would watch Aliens. And his dad was a macho dude. His dad was like a blue-collar construction contractor, kind of like a tough guy. One time, we had to use a bathroom or something, and you know, I, I had it instilled in my head from an early age that you always wash your hands when you go to the bathroom. And uh, how's this for a tangent? But one time, like we had to use a restroom or something, and my neighbor, the neighbor kid, didn't wash his hands, and I was disturbed. And I told his dad, this is me being, you know, I'm not a snitch. I'm really not a snitch. So I, I have a lot of shame about doing this. But after we went to the bathroom, I told his dad, I said, hey, your son, that's exactly how I talked too, as a five-year-old, as a seven-year-old, however old I was. I said to his dad, I said, hey, your son didn't wash his hands. And, and the dad looked at me and goes, so? It was terrifying. I didn't cry or anything, but it was just like, holy shit, that was scary. It was like animal. And I'm glad he said it, because I had no business snitching on him for that. Even though I think you should wash your hands after you touch your, your dicky. Possibly get some you know urine splashing on your dicky, or on your, on your hands. Excuse me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, I think you should wash your hands. Just even just like the the ritual of just running water over your hands, uh, you know nobody says you have to use soap after you touch your dicky. They just say run some water over your hands. That's what they tell you. But I had no business snitching on the kid, whether I was right or wrong for my attitude about him not washing his hands. But just the dad looked like he kind of like lunged at me, like his head kind of like when he said so, it was like his head sort of like darted in my direction. Like he leaned down. He like loomed over me, I guess. He didn't lunge at me. He just kind of loomed over me when he said it. And he said, so? It's basically, don't be a snitch. Don't be a wimp. Who cares if my son didn't wash his hands? But anyway, like we'd watch aliens at this family's house. And this wasn't the redneck family. This is a different family. But still a macho environment. And nobody stopped you and said, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't be watching Aliens because it's got a female protagonist. Like, we watched Aliens over and over again. We watched other action movies. We watched all the Arnold movies. We watched RoboCop. 
though he never like didn't like aliens because it had a woman in it, his dad never sat us down and said, you boys can't watch this movie with a female with Sigourney Weave because you're going to turn into gay men. This, watching this movie, watching Aliens with this female protagonist is going to turn you into a gay man, so you must hate this movie and never watch it. No, the family owned it. They encouraged us to watch it. It kept us busy. Somehow we could watch this movie over and over again and not get bored, and then we would pretend to be the characters. And that's the only difference, is that we never pretended to be Ripley. We would role-play, we would LARP with our toy guns as the Aliens characters, but what I will say is that none of us boys ever wanted to be Ripley. We didn't identify with Ripley. That said, we respected Ripley. You ever heard, you ever heard of respectin' Ripley? We call this doing a little bit of respectin' Ripley. It's called respectin' Ripley. But, uh, no, we respected Ripley. We didn't want to pretend to be Ripley. And that was pretty much the extent of it. And someone now would be like, oh, so you didn't want to be Ripley, huh? You didn't want to pretend that you were Ripley. Someone would act like that's a problem. We would pretend to be the black man. There's a black man in the movie named Apone. We would be him. We would fight over being him. We thought he was the coolest guy. We thought Apone, the black man, was the coolest guy in the movie. Even though he dies at the very beginning. We thought Apone, Apone was, you know, the biggest badass out of all the good guys, you know. So we would be like, I want to be Apone. No, I'm going to be Apone. You were Apone yesterday. So we had no problem being the black men, but we, you know, we didn't want to pretend to be the woman. We just, we respected Ripley, we liked the movie, we, we thought she was a great hero, but we didn't want to be her when we LARPed as the characters. So that's the only real separation there. But I think, you know, talking about this I think is important because it's something people are obsessed with, it's something people are completely preoccupied with. But I don't, I don't necessarily feel like the, they understand it from, from my point of view. Like, I don't, I'm not saying, I'm not pretending to understand, like, the sort of person who sees that there's a category on a video game website that says female protagonist and goes, oh, we needed this. You know, oh, yes. You know, the sort of person who feels relief or satisfaction in seeing that, I'm not going to pretend I understand where they're coming from. I'm not going to pretend I know exactly what led them to feel that way and that they shouldn't feel that way. I'm just saying that like, coming from my point of view, living the life I've lived around different types of people, consuming different types of media, playing different types of games, being into different things. I mean, it's the same for heavy metal or something where I, I've seen where people say like, you know, women are really underrepresented in heavy metal. Well, I've been into heavy metal my entire life. And it it's a generally masculine and aggressive way of expressing yourself. But when there's a woman doing something cool, I've never no, I I've never heard of one single person and I've known all kinds of metal metalheads. I'm a metalhead. I've never known a single person who's like I'm not going to like this. Yeah, if it sucks, it sucks. If it's like Jada Pinkett's new metal band or whatever, or metalcore band, whatever she had. Did Jada Pinkett have a metalcore band? I think it was new metal. But Jada Pinkett had a had a metalcore band or new metal band. And it's like somebody, you're not going to like that just because it's a woman doing it. But it's like if her band was good, nobody would have given a shit about the fact that it's like a female-fronted band. You know, people just... Uh, 
I mean, heavy metal's an interesting one, too, because it's like, I like hair metal, too. I like hair metal. I like when the men are, you know, have the, I don't, I don't like it for its own sake, but it's like, it's not a problem to me if a band looks androgynous, if they have big hair. I don't mind that. I don't mind 80s hair metal. It doesn't, you know, I, I don't mind when, when a band has a female vocalist, if she's good, if the band is good, just like with the video games, like if the video game is good, it's good. So I don't know, it just kind of, you know, it kind of creates this weird argument that doesn't need to exist, where in my experience in these kind of, as to use the buzzword, male-dominated interests, I've never known anybody to be misogynistic just for the sake of being misogynistic when it comes to consuming and using that thing. Like, I don't know about their interactions with people. Like, yeah, you know, you could find a, like a heavy metal dude who is misogynistic toward women, who treats his girlfriend like shit, who beats his girlfriend, who's raped a woman. Guess what? I can go into the most liberal crowd. I could I could literally basically like spin a bottle, not the not the play spin the bottle, but I could basically spin a bottle within any liberal far left group of friends, feminist group of friends in this town and find somebody who's done those things too. And that's actually all I've ever heard of. Interestingly, all of the rapists, all of the abusers I've heard of in Olympia, Washington, since I've lived here, they've all been self-professed feminists and far leftists. Does that mean that being a feminist and a far leftist makes you more likely to be a rapist or an abuser? No, of course not. It just means that this town is dominated by that and that people are full of it. That they're they don't live lives in accordance with what they say, and every time it happens, and it's it's not like it's, it happens all the time, but it happened. It's happened with enough to where there's you see a pattern, and every time like a dude in Olympia, who knows people, is outed as a rapist or an abuser, everybody's like, but he said. Oh my God, but he said he was a feminist. You know, people always go through that, and it's like, haven't you learned that people lie? And even if they're not doing it deliberately, like even if even if the guy wasn't thinking like, I'm going to lie and tell people I'm this when I'm really this, just the fact that there was that cognitive dissonance, just the fact that he felt the need to express that he was something other than what his behavior showed, you know, it, it, I don't know, it, why are you so surprised? That's what people do and always do. Are you that surprised when a when a priest comes out? as a closeted homosexual? Like, are you that surprised when the Catholic priest molests children? Oh, but he said he was a Catholic... He, he, he said he was a servant of God who had no sexual desire. But he said... People say so much. I mean, it's no different. Like, Because, I mean, that's basically what someone is doing. Like, like a liberal feminist who is secretly... who is a covert rapist or abuser is pretty much a Catholic priest. You know, he's pretty much a Catholic priest because it's like he is supposed to be this virtuous human and he's saying and doing the right things, but it turns out he's twisted up. He's twisted up. I bet he would be the same sort of person who would say, oh, you, dude, it's so awesome that you can search by a female protagonist on this site, dude. Did you know you can search by female protagonist? on steam isn't that awesome meanwhile that's the same dude who's gonna you know hit his girlfriend or or drug and rape a woman you know what i mean 
It's like, yeah, he's going to say and do the right things. Which is just uh, the cruel irony of it. But that's what people do. They present themselves a certain way. I mean, there's extremely cliche, worn out sayings that go along with this. Is he's a ship in woo's closing. He's a ship in woo's closing. He, you know, so it's it's there, there's cliche, completely worn out sayings, but people are always surprised. They're always surprised when the person who does and says the right things, or sorry, when the person who says the right things doesn't do the right things, and in fact does the opposite. It's always a surprise. And uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, who knew? Who knew this would just be a rant about a tag? on a game that allows you to, like, view and download video games, but that's the level we're on here. At every night to school night and night school, where we do morning radio in the afternoon and night, but fairly rarely in the actual morning, but it's still morning radio, that's the level we're on. We'll rant about a tag on a a website related to an interest that really hasn't even been interesting to to me since I was like 14 years old. But hey, you know, anything that gets me going is worth talking about. And I'm sure somebody could listen to this and have all sorts of problems with it. And good, you know, good. If you have problems with this, good. You know, at the end of the day, I'll rest on my own conduct. And my conduct is I'm the type of guy who will play a video game to the very last dungeon and then stop playing it and never beat the game. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can